All right, this is uh, Samante Soka, Chair of the Affordable Housing Advisory Board. This is our special meeting on Monday, May 22nd. Um, we are here, we have a couple things on the agenda, but the primary reason is to work on our NOFO and funding matrix and application, all that stuff for the next uh, round of applications and funding. So uh, with that, I'm gonna call the meeting to order and take roll so we can establish a quorum <clears throat> and uh, then we'll go from there. So I'm just gonna read down the list and see who's here. Karen, Willie, Wiley, Willie. 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 Willie, gosh, man, I am, it's okay. <laughs> that one gets me every time. I'm Sarah Waters, Nicholas Ward, Phil Engelhart, here. Mark Bueller, here. Christina Gentry, Erica Zimmerman, here. Dana Ortiz, here. Shannon Aury, here. Thomas Howe, here. Monte Sokup, here. Trent Santee. Okay, so that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I believe we have a quorum. Um, and hopefully we'll have some other uh, members join us uh, shortly. So with that, Leah, I'm going to turn it over to you to read the opening statement about the meeting, quorum, and all that decorum. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Good morning, everyone. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. A few notes on public comment. When the chair calls for public comment, individuals intending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak. The podium can be raised and lowered, and we encourage you to use this feature to ensure your comments are heard. Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand feature to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. Individuals will be called on in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. Please state your name before speaking and all comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you and now I'll turn the meeting back over to the chair. All right, thank you Leah. Uh, with that, we will open up for public comment and I think we have one person here in the room. If you'd introduce yourself and Yes, I'm Paul Grahovac. I work for two related construction products companies in the East Hill Business Park National uh, Companies. One is ProSoCo, um, among other things, air and water sealing products, and the other one is Build Smart, uh, prefabricated uh, high performance uh, wall and window assemblies. <clears throat> I submitted. Uh, uh, quite a lot of uh, information, basically what I use to educate de developers about high performance and the financial benefits of it as well as the health benefits. Um, 
The other thing I, I submitted has to do with reducing cost of construction. Uh, we've become uh, students, if you will, of affordable housing uh, because it's uh, in that uh, uh, venue that um, the most attention is paid uh, to uh, energy efficiency. And uh, one of the obstacles to building high performance is uh, you know, design requirements for you know, bump outs and uh, all these zigzags. You know, a building only needs four corners. Um, we asked an architect to design a house for us recently, and we got 22 corners. <laughs> and whether you stick build it or panel build it, that drives up costs. And I was just looking over south of Walmart, I think it's called The Nest, and the city's to be commended because those buildings got four corners. And by varying color and siding types, they're able to get some variation. So that one of the key things you need to keep wondering about. What I submitted is a, a builder up in the Pacific Northwest, and their architect they claim a 39% reduction in cost uh, just by uh, designing for constructability, and then that loosens up some money for energy efficiency. Uh, Passive House. Uh, our products have been widely adopted by Passive House. The largest Passive House apartment building was recently constructed in River Market area. Uh, uh, 276 units uh, financed by Berkshire Hathaway. That same developer has bought um, a huge uh, old uh, garment factory in Kansas City. Going to put in uh, 342 Passive House units. Also has some land, uh, again, I believe it's near River Market. He's putting in 860 62 passive house apartment uh, units. Uh, they pay uh, tenant utilities, and I'll, I'll let you figure out whether they do that out of the kindness of their heart, but if you start working the numbers, you can find out that basically you can increase uh, cash flow on an apartment building by 60% by building the passive house and paying tenant utilities and taking that utility money from the utility and putting it in the bank or building more housing, which is what a nonprofit in Pennsylvania using our panels did and said in a presentation uh, up there. Um, am I getting pretty close? About 30 seconds. Okay. Um, if you'd like to know more about this, again, you know, we, we're not the only suppliers of Passive House products, but we do know a lot about it. And uh, we give free tours all the time uh, out there at Bill Smart, and uh, we'd be glad to uh, show you what we have and educate you about it because uh, it's really something that will uh, uh, make affordable housing truly affordable. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your time today. Um, I would just uh, add on to that a note that Leah, myself, Rebecca, Nicholas, and a local architect, Dan Sabatini, have all been out to Passive House or to uh, Build Smart. And uh, Tennis to Homer is actually building one in uh, North Lawrence right now, and uh, maybe a second or third, I don't know. But um, we, we learned a lot when we went out there, and uh, there may have been other people that. <coughs> Erica, were you on that trip too? No? Okay. But, no, anyway. but I've been out and toured the facility. Yeah. So uh, it's something we're certainly, the people that are in the affordable housing, you know, industry here are looking at and uh, trying to figure out. So thank you for coming in. It's, it's great to have local experts, mm -hmm. you know, right here in town. I mean, we should be taking advantage of them. So um, anyone else for public comment? Okay, I would note then that Christina came in. Thank you for making it. Yes. It looks like so. Karen is on the. Oh. Oh, yeah.
And oh, Karen. Karen Willie is on the call as well. So excellent. Is there anyone online for public comment? Nobody that I see. Okay. Then we will move on to agenda. Oh, we need to. I would accept a motion to uh, approve the minutes for May 8th. Take a little care of a little housekeeping. Although I was not present, I note something on these minutes where it indicates that. Uh, let me take a look here. That Phil Engelhart was in fact present, but then show or uh, I'm sorry. Let me see where there, there's a that Guffey was absent but voted as an aye. So there might mm -hmm. be a little switch that took place there. And this is in approved minutes number B. Mm. Thank you. I will get that up corrected. Uh, Mr. Okay. Chair? Yeah. Uh, if possible, uh, I haven't been on the Planning Commission for a couple of years, and that's still the title that came in on the minutes was Planning Commissioner. So if that could either just be Willie or County Commissioner, either one is fine with me. This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. That's actually something the city clerk's office enters into our iCompass system, and neither the chair and I can change it, but I have put a request in that it be updated. I can never hear. It just, I think we can approve the minutes with the change, and then whenever that happens, it's already approved as such. Okay, so I would then entertain a motion to approve the minutes with the change as noted. So moved. Mark Bueller. Second that. Any further discussion? All right, I will call the roll. Karen Willie? Aye. Phil Englehart? Aye. Mark Bueller? Aye. Christina Gentry? Aye. Erica Zimmerman? Aye. Dana Ortiz? Approve. Shannon Elry? Aye. Thomas Howe? Abstain. Monty Sokup, approve. Motion passes 8-0 <coughs> with one abstention. Okay. Agenda item one, appoint new AHAB representative to land development code update steering committee. Um, Trent uh, Santi. I don't know if this has been announced. Can we announce this, Leah? Yeah. So Trent uh, has indicated he needs to get off this board, and he was our representative on the um, land development code. So we need to appoint a new person to sit in on that steering committee. So um, is anyone interested in self-nominating or? I'd, I'd have some interest. Can you? Um, I I was in government with Plan 95 and then was at the County Commission when we approved 2020. Um, so I haven't been there, done that, but I've been a part of that process. Where where are we in it? So Jeff, can you update us on where we are? So the at basically at module one, which is the first component portion of the new land development code update. So base zoning district, some of those associated uses and regulations. So it's uh, getting into that kind of first third of really going through the code and going through every line and detail for it. But it's, it is just kind of getting its 
wheels kind of started up and moving very truthfully. How often do you guys meet? It's an ad hoc, so it's as uh, items are produced by the consultant or if there's any questions that the consultant has for the committee. And so it's, it just works as an as-needed basis. What's, what's the history? How, how many meetings would I have missed already? Uh, I believe three, maybe four off the top of my head. And we've got, what, 14, 15, 20 ahead of us? <laughs> um, Come on, Jeff. <laughs> probably not 20, me. but I would huh? say probably you know, a good five to seven probably ahead, truthfully. <laughs> The uh, consultant is supposed to have this on a 24-month timeline that started in, in June of last year. So they're about to hit the okay. waypoint. So it's so only, a year plus. It's is got coming. about a year plus to go. There are two more modules that would come out after module one, and some more meetings that would probably come out just as the normal course of discussion for those two. Yeah. I would have interest. I, I would also have interest. I not want to get into competition. Oh. I've, been, uh, I've been following pretty closely, and... Pretty fair amount of background in in the area. Uh. So I think the the thank you, Phil. Uh, the, I think the primary role of our this board's seat in that is to try to push forward things that impact affordable housing. Not necessarily just the general code in general, but the things that would have an impact. Like, for instance, we got the double density bonus, things like that things that would reduce development costs, things that would allow more flexibility uh, when developing affordable housing. So those are the kind of, that's the kind of input that we would hope the person on this committee, and that's partly why Trent, you know, being a developer was on there, because uh, he had a pretty good working knowledge of that. Uh, so, so I have, you guys both are interested. Do we only okay. have one seat on that committee? I don't know. Yes. 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 One the, the committee was established by resolution with one seat from Ahab. Got it. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors for you two guys? Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair. Go ahead. This is Leah Roseland. Just wanted to add, although we only have one seat on that uh, committee, the Ahab formed a subcommittee. Um, to look at the land development code update. And it has been Nicholas Ward, Karen Willey, Christina Gentry, and... Um, Leah, I'm having trouble hard hearing you. Oh, I'm sorry. I Karen, don't know Karen you, you said Karen Willey. Who else? Christina. Yeah. And Nicholas. Nicholas. Yeah. And I'm on that committee, too. And Phil. And, and Phil. Phil. Phil's on that committee, too. Yeah. Okay. So so I just wanted to add that. It's, um, yeah. That committee has already been discussing potential recommendations for affordable housing. Right. Okay. And, and other members are welcome to join. I would, I would be happy to uh, encourage Phil's appointment to that. <laughs> All right. No, I'm, I would. I appreciate that. Um, okay. There's no... And I, I, yeah. I do think I have some value to add to it. You know, right. it be kind of a square peg in a round hole, but but I do think that I can add something to those discussions. Okay. All right, so are you withdrawing your yeah. interest? Okay. So uh, Phil is our current nominee. Are there any other nominees? Anybody want to nominate somebody or self-nominate? Looking on seeing none. Uh, could I get a, I guess we. I would move that we, uh, there we go. That Affordable Housing Advisory Board appoint Phil Engelhart as our representative on the Land Use Development Update. All right. Use code Update Committee. 
Thank you. Do I have a second to that? I'd second that. Any further discussion? We have a motion and a second. All right. Seeing none. If, and if you're online, you're going to have to really wave at me or something to get my attention. So, okay. Karen Willie. Aye. Phil Engelhart. Yes, I can vote for myself. Sure, you she can. can. <laughs> and you should. Mark Bueller. Aye. Christina Gentry. Yes. Erica Zimmerman. Aye. Dana Ortiz. Yes. Shannon Owry. Yes. Thomas Howe. Approve. Monte Sokup approved. Motion passes 9-0. Phil, congratulations. Good. I'm looking forward to getting Jeff. You bought time. yourself a couple of meetings. Yeah. <laughs> 20. 20. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. We are ready for agenda item number two in the meet at the meeting here. I'm going to turn that over to Leah to pick us up where we left off uh, last time we were meeting. Thank you, Mr. Chair. This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. I Can we have your volume up a little bit? I, it's hard to hear you. Thank you. Yeah. She has she has like four audiences she's trying to address. So <laughs> right. I, I would be better if I could see your your face, but that's don't do it for me. I'm just. I know. I'm, I know. It's, I'm understanding it's that you're challenged here. So <laughs> she's got a 360 degree. Yeah. I am challenged. Yeah. Thank you for. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. As a technical side note, Leah, would it work for you to sit on the other side of the desk at some point? Um, I don't. Not today, but. No, but in the future, if we're going to do this format in the future, if you were sitting on the other side of the desk, then the panel here could see you and could read your lips if we need. I mean, that's something to think about. And you could probably still see the screens. And Thank you. Okay, um, I apologize. I realize that somehow the NOFO and application got dropped off the agenda, so I republished it. Um, but I had to refresh and use a different browser to look at it. It has been one of those days, friends. <laughs> um, um, so I am going to share my screen. And unlike last time where I shared the Word version of the document and then tried to make live updates, um, that was challenging for me. So instead, I'm just going to show the PDF version on the screen and then make changes on my laptop in the Word document. Um, we are just going to pick up where we started, pick up where we stopped off last time. We are not going to start from the beginning of the NOFO and review everything that we've been over to this point. Um, so let me share screen and then we'll get into it. And change the view here. Okay, so um, in exciting news, the city came out with our new branding and logo, so <laughs> I went ahead and updated it with our pretty new logo and colors. And we were at the scoring matrix. I did already also incorporate all the changes that we had discussed from last time. 
So um, the last um, the last item we went through on the scoring rubric was leverage. Um, that that was de decided already, so we are going to start at developer fee. And um, I'm just going to go through these one by one and ask if there are any objections or modifications. And if not, then we will move on um, and not worry about having discussion about it. Sound good? All right, developer fee. Any recommendations for modifications? Okay, organizational capacity and experience. Any discussion or modifications? All right, staff experience. Any interest in changes or discussion? So, just a quick question on, is that staff experience of the people they've listed as the, as the like two or three primary people? Is that cumulative? Just want to make sure I understand what we're getting there. You know, if I have three people with three years, is that nine years? And yeah, that's, sure that's, that's correct. So it's easy to, we're not talking about the lead person, or is it two or three that they list on the, that's my only question on that. Um, when the NOFO update committee discussed that item, um, the members discussed it being cumulative. So adding up all of the years of experience of staff that um, was listed and that that would be the total years being counted. Uh, Leah, this is Dana Ortiz at Family Promise. Maybe a clarification in the description spotlight there, development team listed, mm -hmm. um, would just put that uh, questionable what do they mean there just put it to rest because they would be referred to the ones that are listed in the application yeah maybe just says lead project staff cumulatively have sufficient expertise okay yeah so something like that a word or two to clarify just something like that that would okay okay thank you I've made that change. Any other changes? Okay. All right. Um, going down to accessibility access. We did discuss this briefly um, as it was related to another item. Um, and I believe that what was decided by the AHAB is to keep it keep it the, the same, but I, I would, entertain any additional discussion regarding this. Is this trauma-informed services? We're on accessibility access. So I've got a... That's on the other tab, I think. That All right. I think. Okay. Keep going. I, yeah, I'm not an expert in this, but I think those numbers are high. I think 20% is a really high number to get a point but just i know we have a great need for this i just don't know that many projects are even going to reach the 20 percent 
this is so would you change that number or would you just drop that that requirement in other words would you say less than five percent of units or would you say that you know i think i would just change the percentage i think that's if you're if you got more than i think if you had more than 20 percent, i might give them five points and then just create a different you know five percent is less than 5% is zero, five to 20 is three, more than 20 is five. I just don't think you're gonna have projects, any projects meet this criteria. I've well, never except, seen it. Except building. if the criteria is there, then perhaps as the projects get developed, that might be one of the components well, that's added into it. And I'd say it's not enough of an incentive for five points yeah, five to points. do that. You would never do that. <laughs> this is Leah Roseland. As it's listed, though, they only need to include one accessibility feature, which which was really the discussion last time, the example of, okay, so if they use grab bars in the bathroom, that would give them the point. That would give them the points. Right. And if so I'm not sure if it's I don't that know. Maybe high Maybe I'm bar, digging down too deep and... <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it if, if you like it the way it is. Uh, I just think it's going to be hard to meet. I mean, if they only have, this is filling hard, if they only have to meet one feature, I mean, if, if a high-rise toilet and grab bars satisfy the universal design criteria, I don't know what the universal design criteria is, but, it, but if those two things satisfy it, mm -hmm. then that seems to me like that's just common practice that we ought to encourage, I mean. I don't know. That's how I see it. Okay. Take it forward. If anyone wants to see the universal design categories that we ask for in our application, I just put them in the chat. And they're like, no step entry, a one step unit, wide doorways, um, door handles instead of knobs. Uh, those things are a pretty low bar. We should be asking them for them on nearly everything that we approve. Could you say those one more time, Karen? I, just. Just put it in the chat. Yeah, if you oh. scroll down to the chat, bro, oh. you'll, you should you can. Yep. Well, I can't share screen with the chat, so I'll <laughs> I'll share screen on the application. Okay. I don't. If you go down to the bottom of the yeah. bot bottom of your screen, how come I'm lost here? And if that's the criteria, we might have projects meet this, so maybe it's okay. Yeah, we don't need to beat it up. One bunch. No step in. Page sixteen of the application. Okay. Okay. I see you've got them on. I. Okay. I, I was just, I don't want to get us off track. I was just curious so that I could, no step entry. Oh, I'm sharing the whole. So there you go. Okay. So as long as they do any one of these, then they get the points. Last time the discussion was should they get points per category instead of percentage of units for any of these, and it was decided to keep it the way it was. Basic things. But that can be changed, obviously. All right. I'm okay with moving on. It's okay. okay. Any further discussion on it's this It's a low item? enough threshold. I think you could meet that. I think so, too. Oh, I see one story unit is listed twice, though. Oopsies. Okay, um, while I do that, 
location. Oh, we actually did discuss this and get that updated mm -hmm. uh, to zip codes. Okay. And, and so within those zip codes, um, in the second bullet point there, if I'm not mistaken, 66045 is exclusively University of Kansas. So you might remove that. I That's correct. That one, that one's solely reserved for the university. Right. So there's no point in having that in there. You all want me to remove is, is that there, one? Is there any private land? There is. I believe the land that would be privately held would be by endowment, because typically the university is reserved, or the post office is reserved four or five for just the university's usage. Yep. So are our addresses, I know our office is four seven. In, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I could I could tell you all about how zip codes have about a six month lifespan and then they change over okay. time. I mean, it's if the intent of that question, which is well, I'm. I guess I'm personally interested because of my work. We're doing an affordable housing project within on endowment property. Not me, but no, I get it. Tennis to homeowners will be doing one. And what's leaving it in hurt? Yeah. I don't think leaving it in hurts at all. I think the question is, is zip code the best way you'd like to describe that point spread? Is there a different demarcation or means that which you'd like to do it that is not contingent on the post office? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were trying to get away from... Wow. We're going to reinvent all kinds of... I think we just leave it and... Yeah. I think we just leave it. It's not... It's. Describe general areas of town, not right, and and encourage things on the western side. So I think it does what it's supposed to do. This is Leah Roseland. I mean, we could just play it, state it very plainly what we what we all know, which is outside of Brook Creek, Pinckney, and East Lawrence. That's really what we're saying, <laughs> right? So it could be as simple as that, or I, and I guess North Lawrence would be included in that as well. Yeah, I'd also like to, to note that the colorblindness of fair housing law has become like second nature to housing professionals and, and like policymakers who want to make use of housing programs to further things like racial equity are told we should instead rely on income or geographic targeting in ways to indirectly advance equity in housing. So I mean, if we're talking about Zip codes. Let's really talk. Really, what we're really talking about, like we're talking about discrimination against peoples and individuals, especially as we talk about people who have housing choice vouchers. Mm -hmm. So I think we should be very, very specific. I think six six zero four five should be left in because I think I, we've heard to, too to talk about maybe some of the um, uh, alphas or the you know the housing that's used for uh, students who are in um, programs like fraternities and mm -hmm. how that can possibly be something we could utilize as housing opportunities. So I think it should stay. And I think real rightly, we should say what we mean um, and mean to be uh, specific about West Hills District being, as it states historically, a um, restorative or restrictive covenant space mm -hmm. that we need to really kind of dive into that. So we're okay with this as written or not? Yeah, I mean, that's... Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I think we move on. I think we're close enough on that. Okay. Gets the point across without 
furring too much or too little. Okay. Um, infill projects provide infill development for greater density. Yes or no? Any discussion? Can we argue about that one? Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no. No? Okay. All right. Distance to amenities, um, five points for each of these. Any discussion? I know we had a brief discussion about this last time as related to the schools and the consensus was to leave this in. Okay. Uh, feasibility and site control, so they get two points for each of these categories. Any discussion? Okay. Can, can I make one point here on that zone for proposed use since Jeff is here? When, when these proposals come in, the LDC update will not be done. Is that is that true? Yes. Okay. So we'll be using the current zoning schema for, yep. okay. Okay, moving on. Length of affordability. I, I oh, just, I'm sorry. Are, are we parsing this out two points apiece for deed in hand, mm -hmm. currently zoned? That's correct. Wow, okay. Um, and, and the concern about that is what? They're not sure they can, we're not sure they can finish the deal. We're not sure they can measure, do what we think they. It's a measure of how far along the project is in actual planning. As suppose somebody that comes in here and goes, says, I'm going to try to buy this piece of ground. No, I get well, that. Yeah. And, but and, deed in hand means they own it. Right. And I would put fee title there instead of okay. deed in hand. Okay. So, but we mean the same thing. So they own yeah. it and it's zoned. Um, Site control might be they have an option to purchase or something like that. Well, but then you lose the deed in hand thing, right? I mean, well, you would have site control, and if you had deed in hand, it's cumulative. Okay, but then the deed in hand goes away. All right. Well, don't. I guess my question is, if you and I owned a piece of ground, and it was zoned, I mean, those lights ought to be pretty green. Right. You're getting six of six of those points right there. You get zoned. You'd get site control. You'd have fee title then all you have to do is do you have plans meaning site planned site plan applicant has site plans and maybe that's meaning a site plan approval yeah I mean I guess if we start digging into that we got to reword all of that I don't want I'm not built that way I hate that kind of detail but an applicant might go well, yeah, I got a site plan right here. It's just not approved. Well, there's also some uses that don't require site plans in the land development code. Then do you automatically get those two points? That'd be the question I would have is if you, you know, a duplex or a, a right. certain building permits don't require site plans, and then does that, you know, kind of depreciate against that one? Well, maybe we give them a two points for a site plan representation. To mean show that they've thought about what out. the project looks like, okay. how they want to plan the site. I, I'm okay with this. But and then maybe the last one is, you know, planning approval or whatever that would be, you know. Well, I guess if they're holding a building permit, then, yeah, yeah. you get 10. Right. Um, 
I guess I hope when we look at this, because we're the arbiter, right? We decide right. all this. Right, and he's that, not fairly cut and dry. Yeah, I just hope we'll all stay on the same page when we get into all that two points apiece for this and that. Okay, yeah. I'll be quiet. This is Leah Roseland. Just to provide clarity on that, Mark and everyone, the, this is also a question on the application. So the applicants themselves will be checking it. So it won't be member discretion assigning the points. It'll be one of those categories that's pre-filled based on applicant responses and application materials. Okay. But was there anything that needed to be changed? No, let's just... Okay. It could all be rewritten. Let's don't... Yeah. We're good to move on. Can, can you work with Jeff and make sure we have like kind of discernible points and you know milestone points in the design of what is discernible there? I, if I'm following the, the, the board's desire on this one, it, it's really to make sure that you have all of your development review procedures checked off if they're whatever they be applicable be. Right. If you're meeting all of your marks down the line, platting, site planning, mm -hmm. if it's applicable, building permits if applicable. So it's really just to kind of meet those marks yeah. given the different procedures in place. Okay. Great. We can definitely do that. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. All right, thank you. Then I think that's good. Okay, moving on. Unless, uh, does anybody on Zoom have anything to add? Okay. <laughs> Length of affordability. This was also briefly discussed last time. Any, any additional comments? Okay. Um, sustainability. Um, so again, they will get the five, full five points for incorporating any of the elements listed. Leah, can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, and Eddie is, will this also be based on what the, the, the contractor, their input, I mean, they're going to say, we're going to use biodegradable materials, and they're going to give you some indication of what those are. Okay. That's correct, yeah. Okay. Um, ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. Um, number of units created. Um, so, sorry, but my comment here is covering up the making a thing. Um, but I did make the comment that... Um, so this is prioritizing multifamily units, which is good for affordability um, in terms of building costs and helps us reach the number of units towards our goal. Um, but the unintended consequence might be uh, further concentrations of poverty uh, for very large complexes. And I know that was a discussion that was raised at the last approval of the city commission uh, for trust fund awards. Um, so if there's any discussion about um, prioritizing, you know, additional units versus scattered sites, I think now would be an appropriate time. I think the requested dollars per unit might be more important than the number of units. I mean, we're really prioritizing big products, big projects and established applicants over any newcomers that might come to the field for a smaller number of units. I think I'm not sure that that is really what our value is, is just big projects. 
kind of agree. I would almost <laughs> consider removing this question. I mean, we're going to know how many units and, you know, five supportive housing units is very different than, you know, 20, 60% AMI apartment complexes and may have a different weight, you know, and what we want to try to accomplish at any given time. So I'm, I'm in favor of removing this question altogether. I believe Dana and Shannon. Yeah. Thank you, Leah. Um, Dana Ortiz, Family Promise of Lawrence. I'd also like to point out, and it's not part of our priorities and everything, but a reality is that shared wall space do not work for all families, especially if there's special needs. Um, so that goes against kind of this multi-unit large complex option for some families. Thank you. Did you have a comment, Shannon? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the the more you drive these two numbers, the more uh, low-income housing tax credit project would be favored over a project um, that is smaller in nature and doesn't require quite as much funding. And I don't think it's really capturing sort of that sort of ratio of um, sometimes there are just smaller projects that are worth doing. Um, but I think the point, it, these points are going to skew it to a, to a low income tax credit. And I will say I've supported every low income tax credit project we've done. I just don't necessarily think our matrix, um, should drive that. Is there any, oh, I'm sorry, Phil, go for it. Well, I just want to say that I, I completely agree with Shannon. And when I read this, I thought the very same thing, that it's skewing it toward LIHTC uh, projects. And so I agree with that 100%. Is there any disagreement about removing this entirely as a scored category? Uh, none here. Where are we going to put it? That was going to be my next question. <laughs> now Man. we have 10 additional points. I know where I want it. Um, if I um, if I could, I would suggest that we continue working through the other elements of okay. the matrix and then come back to reassigning those points. It seems this. to me we had somewhere we wanted to add points and we didn't have a place to put them, get them. So <laughs> last time, so maybe we go back and yeah. at the end, I agree, look at that. Okay, um, cost per bedroom. Any discussion? or changes for that one? I, I like this because it, it adds to the concept of leverage. So, um, so I like it, I'll be quiet. <laughs> so just for reference, I think of the things we've, when I look back and looked at the total number of beds we've supported, and I think that number was in the seven to $8,000 range. If you look at all 600 beds or whatever it is we produced, our average per bed contribution toward it around uh -huh. seven to eight thousand dollars. So I think we're in the right ballpark there. Okay. You know, some were forty-five thousand dollars a bed, but those were you know again supportive housing and things that were important to this group. So we still have that option to fund those things. I think it's good. Okay, are we ready to move on? Okay. Oh, 
I guess that's the last category for um, for that matrix. So let's uh, go back to reassigning those 10 points. And I'll just scroll to the top of the matrix. Does anybody have any ideas where it ought to go? Instead of looking, instead of going through every darn one of them again. I would be glad to see an additional five points on sustainability. That leaves five points for somebody else's priority, but then that would give us, instead of five total, it would be 10 total, and we could ask for any two of those elements that are there. Any objection to an additional five points for sustainability? I would like for us to re-examine the points that we were kind of wanting to increase, decrease in our last meeting conversation. And I'm not sure if it was sustainability. So I would feel like it would be worth revisiting some of those points uh, and, and maybe scroll up since I'm able to capture my notes that we had. Um, but we were talking about, oh, distance to amenities. I think that that was something that we had talked about um, making points, oh, I think you passed it a little bit, but um, I'm also very open to like continuing to go through line by line, but the distance to amenities, I think we had some conversation on that, that maybe can also talk about the green space and transit and healthy food. Um, so I think we talked about it being 20. Is there, is that the max that we want to consider or can we continue to dive into adding more points to this? And so would you add another category besides green spaces, transit, health food or healthy food provider, and school? Would you add another, another component, or would you split those five points up between these? And if so, which one gets the extra point? I think that's up to discussion. I don't have an answer. I didn't know we'd be juggling 10 extra <laughs> points. So I mixed up around where we had the most deeper discussion on how those points were or mm -hmm. culminated or... Or place. So, uh, I, I remember the discussion was we were thinking of taking points from this bucket. Can you scroll up a little further, Leah? I think it was That's leverage. That's correct, maybe. Shannon. We added leverage. Uh, there was, yeah. Yeah, I thought it. Yeah, I thought it was, and and. We changed leverage. We did. Yeah, we already. I'm sorry, Shannon. Go ahead. No, I was just confirming that we did make the changes that were discussed last time. Okay, because I, I kind of thought, I mean, that is a lot of points um, when you look at it and it's like, I mean, for me, like the biggest things that I personally value are how long will it be affordable, right? The leverage question and what AMI is it serving? How low income are we serving? And while this is a huge problem, like food deserts and those things are a huge problem in some really big cities, it's not a huge problem. It, I'm not saying it's not a problem in Lawrence, but it's not the same kind of problem um, that we have in some of our larger cities. And so. Well, I, d I support having it in there. I don't support ha it having more points. 
Right, and this is Christina. This is Dana, okay, a family sorry. promise of Lawrence. I also recall Phil mentioning about the schools with the proximity and the recent closures locally, so that we wouldn't want to penalize some areas um, just because the school district has closed uh, a facility in the neighborhood. Right, and this is Christina Gentry. I was, I had, I had my notes, and I wanted to kind of just dive into what that looked like, um, not to add points, but to have a conversation on what uh, we could add points to. And you're right, uh, we did talk a little bit about removing the access to resources, and so um, it looks as though 20 points to stayed. <laughs> and I know this is this month, so I should remember these things that we spoke on. But um, we did have deep discussion about that, and so maybe the ones what I was really saying is let's continue to dive in to the one discussion items, the discussion items that there were, um, and try to see if we can examine adding or adding to those points with the extra 10 points that we do have. This is Leah Rosalind. So all of the items that were considered at the last meeting, decisions were made about them. So there weren't any that were sort of hanging out, if that makes sense. <laughs> so I'm, I might suggest instead of revisiting ones that we already decided that... Um, that we look at member recommendations and so far I've heard um Oh gosh, now I'm Shannon. I'm sorry. Which one? Sustainability. Oh right, sustainability, um, AMI, cost per bedroom, and I believe Shannon said one more, but I'm forgetting what it was. I have one to throw out if it's time. Go for it. Um, uh, the accessibility access. Uh, I think that's fairly low. I think everything that we're building should be universal design, wide doorways for people to age in place, because that's one of the populations we have trouble serving. Um, so either adding 10 points at accessibility access or adding a, a, a different category that is ADA units and having that be worth five points, because that's not in here. Shannon mentioned leveraging, Leah. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. That was the additional one. What, what do we have on leveraging now? I'm... Right now we have 20 points okay. for leverage. Okay. So out of the ones that have been listed, um, ADA or accessibility access, sustainability, leverage, AMI, and I believe bedrooms was the other one. Any interest in discussing any of those from other members? I, I would support the added uh, Shannon Alry Housing Authority. I would support adding points to uh, accessible units. Yeah. Five, five points could, and five to sustainability. I could support that motion. Yeah. So uh, this Monty Soga, I, the way I way I understand it, Karen's proposal is we'd add another question, and it would say, num, you know. ADA, fully ADA accessible units, five points, and then we need to figure out like a percentage or something. So, you know, you're going to provide one, you're going to provide 5%. I mean, that's a big lift. That's probably $20,000 a unit to add that kind of accessibility somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, I'd say as a conversation starter, maybe 10% or one unit, whichever is larger. There you go, that'd be a good one. Okay. So I would suggest adding that, something okay. like that. I see your logic. I mean, if you have a one unit, 
yeah. development, it's one unit. Right. I got it. You know, or if it's a big development, it needs to be a bigger number. But any disagreement with adding full ADA units as an additional category worth an additional five points? And, and the only additional thing that I'll say to that, uh, to advocate for it, is it's one of our goals. Um, and we've done some through Independence Inc., but we really haven't, we don't have a lot of progress on accessible units. So do we, I'm, I'm, are you suggesting we give that 10, the whole 10 points, if they're able to do the... I mean, that would be, no, I'm just saying the reason to accord it more points is because right. it is a very specific goal that we have. Right. I don't. I guess I'm asking, should we allot all 10 points to that and call it a day? I'd support that if that's what the body wants. I, either, either <clears> and then not, not sustainability. Mr. Chair? Perhaps uh, five points for 10% or one unit, whatever is greater, and 10 points if it exceeds that number. Are members interested in discussing any of the other suggestions that have been brought up before? No? Okay. So the consensus is to have 15 points for accessibility, five for accessibility access, universal design, 10 points for ADA units. Sounds good. Okay. I think so. Um, so um, five points for less than 10% of units, 10 points for more than 10% of units. Is that good with everyone? Okay. Well, zero units is less than 10%. I think we want to say you can get five points if it meets the threshold of 1% of units or one unit, whichever is greater. And then the other would, the 10 point category would be if it exceeds that number. Exceeds 10%, right? Or one unit, whichever is greater. Yeah. Okay. Just as a, a point on that one there, if something is a, f a decimal or a fraction on that one, would the board like us to round up or down in that respect to do the point calculation? Nearest integer. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Where does the, where's the point five? Go up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. up. Your point five, you go up. All right. I haven't heard somebody say integer in a long time. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you should know what that was. <laughs> okay, are we ready to move on to the other matrix now? Yep. Okay. I believe so. So now this is the housing support services rehab and accessibility modification matrix. Um, if members have 
suggestions for how to get this to total 200 points as well that would make it easier when looking across the board at, at the scores, um, particularly since the board has um, dis not wanted to sort of break out buckets of funding to allocate, uh, but all applications will be held in the same pool. Uh, I couldn't figure it out, but, <laughs> but y'all are very smart. Um, so moving along, again, this would be for housing support services, including vouchers and rental assistance, uh, rehabilitations and accessibility modifications. So 15 points for goals, similar as what was discussed last time. That's the same. Racial equity and inclusion. So in this one, it's a little bit different. Um, it has policies, procedures, and organizational practice of racial equity and inclusion for clients, staff, and leadership would be the full 10 points, while just maintaining and following anti-discrimination policies would be five points. Any discussion on that? I have an idea. Okay. It won't be a good one. No. Increase. If, you have, if you're 10 or 15%, you get an additional five points. The problem with my math is that is 55. That's 11. There's 11 categories. So now we have 55 points. We're trying to increase this to 200, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so everybody gets five if they're bigger than five. And then somebody, and then we got to find five points in there to adjust. If it gets more complicated than that, then I will stand down. <laughs> <laughs> So in other words, are you saying, for example, goal alignment goes from 15 to 20? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Everybody goes up five points. And then how do you make the adjustment on the meeting one goal, meeting two goals? You, you just split the points somehow. You have, to, you have to work all the math. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to make our problem a 5% a, a problem instead of a 50% problem and redesigning 20 cat or, you know, you know what I mean. Would, we could do this for a month. Yeah. So I guess it, does that matter? To is that a priority um, for the AHAB to have this one equal two hundred as well? Not, not. I could still give a percentage. It, if it is a priority, then I'm happy to do as Mark suggested and just add you know an additional five points and figure out the math from there. Um, or this is something we catch next year. I just think we're pretty close to our deadline and we mm -hmm. still have two whole documents to get through. Um, I don't think we're going to get from 150 points to 200 points without a lot of wordsmithing. And I'm not sure that's worth anybody's time at the moment. Yeah. Okay. We good to move on then. Yeah. Oh, yeah pull, pull it down slowly. I want to see under community need. Okay. So now we're in community need. Um, and we did add the additional category of formerly incarcerated individuals as discussed at the last meeting. Any additional discussion or changes to this one? Uh, well, just the one, two, three, four. You've got, if they, in an ideal world, if they met all five, you would, you would have 25 points there, wouldn't you? Or am I missing something? Uh, four, eight, each. four points so each. Four points each. 
But the top line says the top five. line says five point oh, oh, thank you. I need to. Yeah. yeah, we changed that last time, and I didn't catch oh. that edit. So thank you. Or we could change the four points to five and be at twenty-five. 25. Well, if you want to get an extra five, you can. Get but, but now we're at one hundred and fifty-five. So five. what does it matter? Yeah, we're let's just using it. It's a comparative. It's a right. relative rating <laughs> to other projects. So it doesn't matter what the ultimate number is. Okay. Other than easy math, maybe. Okay. Any additional discussion about that category? Okay. Um, moving on to AMI served. Any discussion or changes for this one? Okay. Community engagement. Okay. Financial information. And again, some of these were discussed at length at the last meeting, so I... So you, did you forward those modifications onto this document then? I did. Okay, excellent, thank you. Okay, uh, leverage. Okay. Okay, admin fee. Organizational capacity and experience. It's the same, okay. Staff experience. Okay, um, so here are some unique categories. Um, in this matrix is trauma-informed services. And we're asking for policies and procedures. Okay, housing first. Can I make a, can I ask a question on that trauma-informed services again? Is this something that that shows up in the proposal from the applicant? Yeah, it's a question on the application. Okay. Did you have something, Shannon? Yeah. Um, certainly, here we've done a lot of education, but I'm like. How do you draft your policies? Um, I don't know that I've ever seen that. Hmm. I know I've um, certainly worked in organizations with um, trauma-informed services as a um, embedded in policies, but. Give, give me an example. Um, so, um, Perhaps it's um, in discussions about when it's appropriate to get law enforcement involved. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to struggle with that. This is Dana, Family Promise of Lawrence. I hear Shannon's concern, and I think looking at the policies overall of organizations, it might be loosely there, but not definitively defined, but it certainly would be in procedures because that's where the training and the influence would have the impact. So maybe we just take out the term policies and just say organizational trauma-informed procedures or practices something like that yeah. 
Well, and I'd honestly like, so, I mean, I think we don't, we don't necessarily, I mean, like almost everybody here's had mental first aid training and every, right. And we do all kinds of trauma informed training. Um, but we don't necessarily write a policy about when we use a de-escalation, you know, strict strategy for somebody who is having an issue in the lobby. We just do it. There are organizations that do have that written out as procedure, though. Well, um, I mean, I, I, I just, I mean, I think... I think in that situation, you're talking about a, I mean, I think you're talking about an agency that like might be like Burt Nash, which is, that's what they actually do. All the time. Um, so I would be more in favor of saying, can you prove to me your staff's done training? Can you prove to me like, how many of your staff have taken mental health first aid or how many of like that kind of thing? Um, because this is going to be somebody saying, yes, we do this. When I think are that's why, go, what are you going to provide us to prove it? I think that's why it listed policies and procedures. Is that something they could provide? It could be training instead. I would say mental health first aid is not a trauma-informed care training, so it would need to be specific to trauma-informed care. Um, well, that, which is a specific. I it's would a, agree with that. I it's mean, a. I mean, as somebody who houses a lot of people with mental health issues, they're related. But I'm a trauma-informed care train trainer train the trainer and have i mean it's a specific modality they are related but is a specific modality so if the board doesn't want to keep it in that's fine if there needs to be another metric to look at it but so monty sogup chair i think i think the question's important that we have you know company or you know organizations that are doing this have used this have this knowledge use this trauma-informed methodologies, how we measure that in the, this is the question. So um, I think we, just, we need to figure out how, to, how we can reasonably get that information and measure it. And I don't know, could maybe Leah and Shannon and Dana and others that do this could have an offline conversation to figure out how, I mean, I think the board is probably on, on board that we need points for this and we need to ascertain this and it should be a, worthy of having points, but how we measure it is something that we need to figure out so we can get the information we're looking for, so. Dana had recommended to take out policies and put practices. How would that sit with or, folks? Or it looks like Dana unmuted. And I'd, and I'd like to see training in there because Okay. I, I think I, it's I, unfortunately I think it's a word people throw around mm -hmm. right without actually getting trained in it right did you have a suggestion Dana well the way we've we've written these um, it, it's either yes or it's either no so you either get 10 points or you get zero so it's got to have a question in the application that gives us this um, 
toggle, yes or no. So yeah. maybe the definition is more is more in the how the question and the application is worded, and we take out the term policies in here and just call it overall, excuse me, overall practices. Sorry about yeah. the outside noise. Maybe it's as simple as saying, you know, can the company provide, you know, documentation that employees are trained in this field you know and we leave it at that and you get zero or ten if you provide the documentation you get it and if you don't you don't and we leave it at that for this time and and see what we get and maybe next time we'll be more informed mr chair hmm? um, i've loaded into the chat this specific question that we have in our application so this is the way it's being asked at the moment please describe how project incorporates trauma-informed policies and trauma-informed services i think leaving it open and letting people describe to us and then we can avoid allocate the points as we see fit with it uh, but if you're talking people uploading documentation i think that's something that people don't have on hand and we will miss people that are really good providers yeah so then the criteria here is has the company demonstrated that they practice organizational trauma-informed practices or whatever yes or it's kind of a yes or no and based on their write-up each of us get to make a determination if they demonstrate that or not right you could also just make it a sliding one through ten and that would be up to the discretion of yeah. the person um, right reviewing the matrix yeah one to ten how did they demonstrate that Anybody, everybody in agreement on that? Anybody Absolutely. disagree with that idea? I like the sliding scale. Okay. Yeah. All right, then we're going to move on. You capture that, Leah? I did. Okay, thank you. Um, housing first. It's another term that gets thrown around a lot, but... Um, <laughs> and could be a similar discussion you know should this be a sliding scale instead of an either or well and it's for a particular population shannon now rehousing authority that is really for a particular population and not all of the services um or vouchers are going to be for me for that type of right where it's a, it's a, it's somewhat a precursor to a supportive housing kind of model. Um, uh, so I'll ask I'll ask the, a stupid question. Would you explain it to me? I I haven't been around long enough to understand all these terms. Yes. Yeah, so who, who does I'll, it and I'll who doesn't? A really good example. So our so our regular wait list you're going to have some requirements that you know uh you don't have any uh history with being convicted of drug crimes or you have been able to live in it have good residential history or whatever that is not a housing first model that is a that is a tenant suitability model we also have programs like the one that this board has funded called New Horizons, which is a housing first model, which is we waive those requirements and we say, it doesn't really matter where you are, right? That we are going to house you first and then help you address any additional issues you might have. 
um, through this sort of an interactive thing. The cottage is, is a pretty good example of this, right? We get referrals from people, either they're coming out of uh, the TRC or they have substance use issues and, and that is baked into how we deal with those folks and we don't condition their housing um, to be you have to complete that treatment before we'll house you got it so that's kind of a you know thank you so yeah, this is Monty Sokup chair I'm trying to move us along here but the uh, my thought is if that's the case that this is okay this is kind of a you either do this and you get the 10 points or you're not a housing first model and you don't get the 10 points is there something wrong with that well, I idea? No, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. I mean, I, I love the housing first model, but however, it does not work without um, there being some other policies in place, like universal health care and other right. things like, you know, um, because it really is a model that, penal that penalties come with antisocial behavior like drug use. Is it closed up? Um, so I think there can really be no really housing first model without the availability of psychiatric treatment and medication and then our decriminalization of poverty as it relates to drug use and drug abuse and things like that nature. So I like it to be always first, but I don't know if we're setting our, our applicants up for a little bit, you know, of, you know, we, we don't really have a metric or something that a study that has been published that's rigorously designed to, to understand that as it works for the United States of America, right? We're not Finland, and so we don't have the right. same kind of opportunities that the, this housing first model has been very successful. So I like that it is here and that we may have applicants that would serve a housing first model. I just wonder about the points that we're giving for it, and maybe that we could have points added to maybe long-term stabilization and collaboration, those of which we know there is success in, um, mm -hmm. that we can kind of measure and make for that as well um, yeah uh, so that's just kind of my 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 things about that because it, it should be a human right right we should have that first in place however our policies and practices as we have them now don't allow for that kind of model to be successful and did you see the notice it looks like um, Commissioner Willie had unmuted and um, Shannon as well so are you did either of you oh. Oh. go ahead I had a language suggestion that might help us move forward, mm -hmm. and that is um, to say instead, is the project low barrier, and that is relative to the project that's being asked. So if it's a housing first, it'd be totally low barrier, um, but other things may be appropriately low barrier and not be quite housing first. Is that something we can just put on a one to 10, and that would be up to our discretion, just asking, is it low barrier? Um, and the Shannon Lowry Housing Authority, I agree with Christina. I would rather have long-term stability have 10 points and housing first have five um, because uh, you could have all the housing first you want, but if you don't have a, a plan for long-term stability, the, the, your participants will not stay housed. This is Leah Rosalind. So two recommendations have been made. I'm just gonna do a check on both of them. The first is to change housing first to low barrier services on a uh, scale of points. Any objections to that? I would just say make that one scale of one to five on the low barrier. That's it, yeah. And, but I'm good with that. Okay, I'm too. Okay, 
And then the second recommendation has been made to change that to five points and give the additional five points to long-term stabilization to increase that to 10. Any objections to that? Okay, so I will change housing first to low barrier. It'll be on a scale of one to five. Long-term stabilization will become 10. Any additional um, discussion on long-term stabilization? Okay. Okay, then moving on to collaboration for a total of five points. And again, this would just be um, evaluated based on applicant response. That's fine. Okay. And then the final one is cost per household. Any additional discussion? Okay. So, Leah, when yeah. you're talking about a voucher model, it's, it's based on the number of bedrooms or the number of people in the house. And so, and we just take people in order off the wait list. So when I try to think about how I would say, I mean, I could give you an average of, let's say I'm doing New Horizons, right? I could give you an average from the last year, but I couldn't tell you per household what I'm going to spend because a household of two costs us significantly less than a household of eight. So is it better to do that per bed? Would that help? Would that solve the problem, Shannon? or make it simpler? That wouldn't work for the other programs, so. Oh, it doesn't? Okay. Yeah. Oh, right, so. because you're, might be rental assistance. Right. So um, doing an average would seem like a good solution to me, but are there other members or recommendations for how to change this? Does it make sense if it's per person served? I mean, whether you're getting rental assistance or you're getting a voucher, it's the number of people in your household would be, I don't know. I think that might, per person served might complicate it more actually. Okay, I'll be quiet. Because then are you looking at children being, yeah, like. Yeah, and I just looked at it as, like, like you said, if you got a household of six and they're getting $3,000, that's a lot different than an individual getting $3,000. So, you know, if you do it, it just seemed to me that per person would make, am I missing, I must be missing something. Well, so if you think about the um, rental assistance, for example, they get it. Right, so um, they're not getting rental assistance based on the number of people in their household. And so, so if somebody applied for rental assistance and they get $200 and they have four children, are we counting the children or are we just counting the applicant? If they're partnered, are we counting both people or just, again, the main applicant? Every person served because that gets you the number of people. Le Leah, there is, there, that calculation is entered into the max amount. 
So there's children that are added. So if there's a household of one, there's one maximum amount of rental assistance in the HSC. And if there's, then there's added on max amounts per number of additional members in that household. So that data is there at HSC and most agencies would have that kind of data. Or are we better off just asking for the number of people the program anticipates to serve? And you kind of do the math yourself and go, okay, that's about yeah. so many people. I like that. And it's not an unreasonable number. You know, it's not $50,000 a person that they're planning to, you know? That's well, I'm just. <laughs> so it is the suggestion to take that out of as a scored category or? I don't know. Just give, I, us, give us flexibility and. Figuring out the value of You're it. Saying the the anticipated number of people to s served for the the dollars that, that you're you're asking for. I'm sorry. Uh, well, uh, this is Phil Englehart. I was asking Monty. So you're you're saying change this from cost per household to asking the applicant to say number of of people that you're intending to you're projecting to serve. Yeah, and I don't know how we score that, but to me, if somebody's asking for, I don't know, $100,000 and they're going to serve 20, 10 people, right. that's very different than $100,000 serving 100 people. I agree. I, I mean, a lot of 100 people. Yeah. So I was just trying to get a, I don't know. I'm out of my day. I don't know how to score it. So is there interest in changing this from household to individuals? And as, uh, as long as we can count children and yeah. um, and I'm going to give you historic numbers, this is how many people <laughs> right. I have served, yeah. right? Because I don't, I won't don't know. know. So does, I, so does it make a why? difference then, Shannon, if it's household or individuals? Like for your program, for example? I mean, if you use an average or you do it by the number of people, including children, I think that's a wash. Okay. It could be either way. So then is there any, I guess, what, is there any real necessary reason to change it then and figure out this, if it's a wash in either case or if it's. As long as, as long as this is per, like my average per household and not my actual. Right. Yeah. Then there's no problem. So how about I just add average before cost? So average cost per household. Yeah. Or anticipated, you know, yeah. anticipated, uh, average. assistance per household or something like that or anticipated average, whatever you want to put in there. It's a projection is, I mean, what I hear Shannon saying, you don't know because you're not serving those people yet. They're not facts. They're, this, this is what we hope to do with this money. So, right. Okay, got it. Are we ready to move on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, sorry, we just have like 40, less than 40 minutes and we still need to get to the application. So I just wanted to help move us along. Um, any changes with uh, the warding? or consideration of board consideration of applications, applicant <laughs> applications. I'm not gonna go through those line by line. I, I trust that you all have read it in advance and 
there are any changes, speak now. Okay, um, conflicts of interest is standard. And then this just outlines the performance agreements and timeline, and that gets us through the NOFO. Yay, all right, <laughs> let's move on to the application. Okay. So um, as we head into this, I just wanna note that there will be inconsistencies based on changes that we made today. Those will not have already been incorporated into the application, but I'll go through and make sure that those match. Um, so just an introduction. Um, Mr. Chair, Sarah's had her hand up for quite a while. Sarah. Who? Oh, we can't see her. Sarah Waters? The meeting. No, Sarah Anise. Sorry, hi, can you hear me? Oh, um, are you wanting to make public comment? Yes, I joined from my phone. Can you hear me? We can. Um, public comment um, will be heard at the end of this agenda item. Oh, okay, sorry. I just typed my thoughts as I was thinking of them because I didn't want to forget. So okay, thank you. Thanks. Okay, um, this is just a checklist. Okay, I'm gonna just scroll through this and please speak up if, um, if you have any changes. Leah, I sent ahead of time to both you and Monty the list of inconsistencies that I found between the NOFO and the application. Um, and so you, you have those. Do you want me to flag those as we go through? Um, if you'd like, or I, I mean, I, I didn't have time to incorporate those before the meeting this morning, but I will make sure that I review those and address those. So um, if, if they're just real technical items, there's probably no reason to discuss them, but... They're, they're super small, okay. um, but they're inconsistent between the two. So the first one here would be on page two, uh, where it says um, that we're prioritizing applications that are below 80% AMI, but the NOFO says that we'll go up to 110% of AMI. Where does it say that in the NOFO? We must have missed I'll that. And that while you look at the next thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised that none of us caught that when we looked at the NOFO. So thank you for, I still don't see that. Okay. Um, so let's go through one by one just in the interest of time. So any discussion or changes for question two type of project? This is where they list previous trust fund awards. Just a clarification, we don't need to include the infrastructure because we're not doing that through this process. Is that correct? Um, we have to add in their eligible projects, infrastructure enabling projects because we're doing that separately. Is that correct? The CIP is, that's remember, that's not a part of this no-fro. Right. 
Yeah. So this, this question is just asking if they've gotten funding from trust funds for any projects in the past and to list their trust fund project. Question above that, I'm sorry. Oh. Eligible projects, type of project you're proposing. Uh, I was saying, should we add infrastructure? Yes, we should. Enabling projects. If we add infrastructure, then we'll also need to add that as a um, as a category as an eligible category on the NOFO. And when we went through eligible categories on the NOFO, that was not discussed or recommended. Okay. So okay, leaving it out at this point. But I, I was, I guess, I was asking if it. Is there interest in adding that to the NOFO as a Too late. eligible category and adding that to the application? So somebody that's requesting money for an infrastructure project, at least a housing, doesn't qualify in our application? Um, right. It could be under the category of new affordable housing development. We've never had one that just requested infrastructure, but maybe, you know, if it's if you're developing affordable housing, you're going to have infrastructure costs. So maybe it's wrapped into the new development. Cost. Okay. And I'm okay with that too. As long as they're not precluded. We're not, pre you're not excluding them. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sorry, Leah, before we go too far, yeah. um, the application checklist on page three isn't an exact match between the NOFO and the application. So as long as you know, we have everything included in that checklist, I don't think we need to look through it now, but I just wanted to flag it. Okay, project summary, population served. Um, it looks like I need to add formerly incarcerated as that was added um, to the NOFO. Um, other than that, any any changes? Just a formatting change on that where uh, underneath. Oh, yeah. See the I see that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, narrative explanation of how populations identified will be equitably served. Percentage of AMI that will be served. And then um, if applicable, they're going to indicate the percentage of the percentage that will be served. <laughs> Narrative for community engagement. Uh, can you go back one? I'm sorry. Yeah. I think this question would be stronger if we had the number of units that's for each is that what it's in there that's why there's a line uh, please indicate the percentage of units or vouchers that will serve each AMI okay. category Sorry, if applicable it's all good so fast I missed that okay yeah you. so they'll they'll check each one served and then they'll put the number or okay. percentage thank you that's all I was okay we ready to move on yeah okay um, so this is a list of similar projects that they've completed in the past, not necessarily trust fund projects. Here's where they list the key staff and years of experience. Any changes or are we ready to move on? 
Should we, on uh, the projects, should we include number of units or anything like that to give an indication of the size? Instead of just percentage? The, no, on, no, right here. on Previous projects. Previous projects. You have year, project name, yep. number of units, maybe? Just so we get an idea if somebody did a right. two-unit renovation and now they're proposing 248 units and whether... You know. So do you just say project name and size? Yeah, or I put number of units or something like that. <laughs> Might be put helpful. size and see what they tell you. Size. Right. <laughs> they may give you dollars. Yeah. Or value. <laughs> or va value would yeah. give you an idea of scope of the project. And it's, and it's not the last time we get to talk to them. No. <laughs> Um, so what I'm interested in hearing from the social service folks about adding number of units to this question or size anything that further gives us information or any objection project budget I mean that would give you an idea of okay yeah dollars yeah dollars okay so the uh, suggestion has been made to add project budget um, to the lines in question six. Any objection to that? I think it's just an indicator of the, yeah. Okay, so I'll add project budget as additional lines in question six. Thank you. We ready to move on? Okay. Um, so the, they will select the goals that they are targeting through the project and putting their anticipated number of households served or units. Any discussion on this one? Okay. Um, and then they'll enter some narrative about how the project will advance the goals that they selected. Um, the f racial equity and fair housing section, um, I did make some updates to this based on feedback that we got from the equity and inclusion group of the housing and homelessness steering committee. Uh, so I updated the definition of racial equity and structural racism and equity. Um, and then this is narrative, so how it will advance racial equity, who will benefit and or be burdened, um, how they will de decrease racial disparities in access. And then um, this is a new question, um, which is to provide the applicant organization statement of non-discrimination and or their DEI policies or statement as applicable. And Leah, uh, last application go around, we had some, well, just particularly one, I'm thinking that left these blank. Are we asking this to be a mandatory application, Phil? All of the questions are mandatory, yeah. Thank you. Okay, we ready to move on? Okay. Um, so the budget. Um, so st pretty standard budget table, um, and then there's 
if they have additional line items, they can add those. And then um, a couple years ago, we added the additional leverage narrative, uh, particularly so nonprofits could explain any additional ways that they're leveraging trust fund dollars that might not show up in the budget table. Any discussion on this so far? Okay, and then expenses. Looks like I have a note. Oh, I think that there were some, right, there, there was a suggestion to add some specific line items um, in the standard budget table related that would just be specific to construction. So um, construction costs, design service costs, other soft costs, and construction contingency. Um, there are several lines where they can add those if, if that's relevant. So would the board like those to be added as standard line items and non-construction projects would just disregard those or should we just ask that those be included by the applicant? I think we just ask that they be included by the applicant. Okay. Because, you know, maybe they'll have two of the four. Or right. They'll have, yeah. Okay. Okay, and then some additional narrative. So um, if they have loans, tax credit equity, or other sources that is not outlined above, um, to put some uh, specifics around that and narrative, um, respond to how the project will um, proceed if only partial award, uh, funding is awarded, and then any optional budget narrative that they would like to include. Any further discussion or changes for the budget? Okay. Um, and then here, so there's a couple of um, links. So if it's acquisition or development, they'll click this link and they'll take them to those specific worksheets, similar for the disclosures. I'm not gonna go through the disclosures and agreements because this is standard legal. Um, okay, so if they're doing acquisition or development, then they'll fill out this worksheet. It'll include the number of units, bedrooms, max AMI, um, their average rent or mortgage per unit, and rental subsidies. Could you could you stop there for just one moment? Yeah. M monthly rent slash mortgage per unit. Are, are those two different? I mean... Are you, if, if it's a for sale product, you'd have a mortgage. If it's a rental unit, you'd have a rent. Okay, that's that's where you, that's where you're. That's where I think. There. Okay, I think okay. that's the intent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, if it's both, then they can select both. If it's both rental and home ownership, they'll put in how the long the proposal will remain affordable and then describe how it will be maintained long-term for affordability. Okay. Do you need to specifically yeah. say for affordability? I was just wondering <laughs> as well that that might be helpful to be more specific.
Okay. Uh, yeah. How the project will be maintained long term? Yeah, and we um, it was just discussed to add um, for long term affordability to make that a little more clear what we're asking. So it'll read, describe how the project will be maintained um, for long-term affordability. Okay, um, they'll enter some narrative to describe how they are meeting the housing needs by housing type, population, or location based on our housing market report. They will enter the timeline for their project. And then location, and this is where we'll pull the information um, in the NOFO and the scoring matrix regarding amenities. There's the zip. Yeah. Property owner, if it's an infill, and then here we have, so if it's conceptual and process or shovel ready. And then some additional questions regarding that that tied back into our scoring matrix. I, I don't understand 11. Um, if it's already zoned for proposal. Is the property zoned oh, for proposed oh, use? Proposal, oh, proposal got me. Okay. It, it's, okay. it should be a property zoned. Okay. Again, I would change deed in hand to fee title. On 13. Yeah. It's a term of art. Yep. Does the applicant own the property? There you go. It could be that as simple, too. Right. <laughs> okay. I um, made that change. If they already have a site or design plan showing number of units, yes or no. If yes, still. They'll include it as an attachment, and then we have um, the list, all the steps that they have to go through before construction can begin. Any discussion on this? Okay. Um, we'll ask if they have additional energy efficiency or sustainability elements. If yes, and they'll select from the list, or they can add their own. Same for universal design or accessibility access, yes or no, and then they can list the ones. And I have made note that I entered this twice and that one of these should have been grab bars. Oh, yeah. So on our, Leah, on our matrix, we asked, you know, is it 20%, 50%? So where are we gathering that data? Mm, yeah, that's a good, yeah, so we need to add an additional somehow you need to yeah what percentage of those are units or universal design or whatever yeah okay thank yeah, you for percentage something like that where you get that worked in there so i'll just add an additional question um number 19 will become if yes what percentage of units okay fill in the blank does that sound good Okay. 19A. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks for that catch. I think we're just about. I wonder if, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, cool. Other than that, we good to move on? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so this, uh, so that's the end of the development and acquisition. Uh, this is the worksheet for housing supports, rehab, and modification. Mm. Okay. So how many households, program length? We got that in there. That's good. <laughs> Does it provide case manager supportive services? Are they required to participate? Um, requirements for program entry, strategies for coordinating and integrating um, with other programs. Um, sustainability plan to continue services when trust funds are expended. I, um, I don't believe the trust funds were ever intended to be um, year after year sort of general operating, but um, that might be something for further discussion. Um, describe how project will meet targeted community need and how program incorporates trauma-informed policies and services. Any further discussion on this item, on any of those? Okay. Um, and then disclosures. And that takes us to the end of the application. So um, the other uh, the other component is the um, is the on the actual, and we'll go over it when when um, at the next meeting we'll look at the matrix and how you all will score it. It'll be in Excel format. Um, so I'm not going to go over that. Um, okay. All the changes will just flow. I ju just want to bring this up really briefly. So in the past, the board has asked for this um, key project elements chart. So um, this is something that I fill in based on the responses of the applicants um, and is just a one-pager where you can compare all of the applications side by side. All of these are also listed on the individual applicant scoring matrix. So I just want to do a check real quick. Is there anything else that um, you all would like to be added to this key elements chart or removed? I'd like to see a number of ADA units. Okay. Thank you for that suggestion. Is it is it ADA units or or low barrier units? I think both. I think you got to have both somehow because we're scoring both. And it could be one line. It could be ADA slash low barrier, and you have two numbers there or something. But it could be pretty simple. I think. Do we ask in the application for the number of ADA units? Um, I, I know because that's a new um, element that we added, so I'll need to add that so we'll question as well. Okay, so add ADA units. Anything else? I think ADA and low barrier. So by low barrier, do you mean it. low barrier services? No, that's the low barrier is the, if it's not... <laughs> So for accessibility, you have ADA compliant, and then you have the ones that oh, universal design. Universal design. Universal okay. Universal design. I'm probably using the wrong term. So. I, I, 
I think uh, Nicholas so referred to it as visitable or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm not sure, but maybe check with him. Yep, visitable is a phrase that they use. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. We need to tie it back to whatever's in our application and how we reference it there when you have those six or seven things listed that you just have to meet a couple of to meet. However, referencing that there, we need to, however many meet that is what I think we need. Okay. Low barrier is how we reference housing first models. So I, and there are, right, I'm talking about the, okay, okay. not low barrier, I'm talking about the universal design units. That's probably what we ought to call it, if that's what we're calling it in the yeah. application. Okay, any additional categories that you all would like to be added to the matrix or to the chart? Okay. All right, well, thank you all so much for um, your incredible feed. Oh. We have a, a open uh, comment. comment. We have a public comment waiting, so. And I'm just close gonna, this. <laughs> I was just going to turn it back over to you, and I'm going to stop comment. share. So at this point, I'm going to open this up for public comment, and then do we still have a? Hi, are you referring to? There we go. Are you referring to me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I am driving, and that's why I posted in the chat, just because um, this is. I was able to tune in for a brief bit, but I really dislike not having um, strict parameters around what it takes to be trauma-informed care compliant or just for people to say that they're trauma-informed because I think it was mentioned earlier in this meeting, but people tend to have a tendency to use that word without really understanding what it means. And so if you don't have a, a rubric of sorts to kind of compare different applications um, side by side, it will not only make your evaluation inconsistent, but it also doesn't give people an idea of what it is that, that they probably need to do in order to uh, put in a fair application, if that makes sense. So, like, I understand, I guess, if you're going to do the sliding scale, but if you're going to do the sliding scale, I think it makes sense to have a committee formed to put together, I guess a list of policies and recommendations and procedures that they would classify as best practice for the city of Lawrence trauma-based care and trauma-informed care. Um, and from there, add that into the application. And so that agreement is established at the very beginning and it will ensure that any tenants that end up living in those situations have leases that are designed. Um, not by whatever corporate contractor or whomever has put together, but there is documentation in there that reserves that infer- um, certain protections for tenants. Okay, thank you, Sarah, for, for those comments. Okay. All right. Okay. <clears throat> Any other public comment? Any other board comment? There's somebody oh, in the Oh. <clears throat> Uh, hi, uh, my name is Zachary Andrews. Um, I'm with the Sunrise Movement for Lawrence, Kansas. And uh, so I'm assuming this is for um, like the matrix that was presented is for um, like any affordable new affordable housing project that comes into Lawrence and wants to build. They get certain points for like tax credits or something like that. Or, or would that be accurate as to what? It's not tax credits. So, so, uh, so we've put out a notice of funding availability. 
people fill out these applicants and then we'll award funding. So we're using the matrix to help us evaluate the different projects as they come in. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, so I was, uh, I really like the, um, uh, one of the elements of the matrix was uh, distance to amenities uh, because um, I'm part of Sunrise Movement. So that's, uh, uh, that's an organization of, of youth uh, activists who are concerned with sustainability and climate change. Um, and I think that's, you know, putting so many points for a distance to amenities is a really good idea because it's, uh, uh, it's also points for sustainability. It's also points for community health because people are potentially, you know, not having to take the car as much so they can go out and walk. And it's also good for community building and um, uh, other things as well. Um, and also helps businesses. Um, but I was just wondering if there's any um, plans for um, you know multi-use neighborhoods. So the reason I asked that is because there was a question of fairness uh, raised as, reg as uh, regarding that uh, element of the matrix. Um, because uh, there can only be, if, if all of your vendors are like concentrated in specific parts of the city, then there can only be so many areas, it seems like to me, as a layperson, uh, there can only be like so many areas where you know affordable housing could, like you could get those points for affordable housing. Um, whereas if like more vendors were like spread out in like say multi-use neighborhoods where there were um, families and vendors present, um, then that would you know it would be much easier to get those points, and there would be a lot more areas where you could get those points. So I'm wondering if there's any plans to increase multi-use uh, housing, in Lawrence. Um, if there's any like zoning laws that prevent that, perhaps as I know there is for for quite a few cities out there. Uh, so yeah, that's all I had. Okay. Thank you. Uh, some of those questions are outside the purview of this yeah. group. Okay. If you're interested in zoning, I suggest you talk to Jeff Crick. He's a, <laughs> the uh, director of planning for the city. Okay. Uh, but um, so thank you for those and. You know, Arnofo does provide for spreading some of these things out and not concentrating them in specific neighborhoods, so I can address that. Okay, awesome. Okay, cool, thanks. Mm. All right, anyone else online or in the room? All right, then we're going to close that item. We have one more item and we have six minutes left. Um, so this is review and consider feedback on proposed city board and commission structure revisions. Um, oh, do we have? Do you have Mr. some? Chairman, can I, can I make a comment on the application? Yeah. Um, the, we're getting ready to approve a 25-page application. That's a 25-page application, and I, I've listened to it. I'm obviously inexperienced about a round of applicants and all that, but I would like to try really hard as time goes on to make that a shorter application. Um, your tax return's not 25 pages. Um, I, applying for Social Security is not 25 pages. It is, I, I would contend it's onerous on its face. So I'm gonna do my best to sit through applications and see who's here and who's not and who's attracted to this process. Mm -hmm. I, I think I understand why the private sector um, doesn't play in this game, in this arena. So, but I'll try to learn. So, thanks. 
This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. Just to clarify, although the application is 25 pages, the applicants don't have to fill out the entire application. So it's because we put it all into one application, it appears bigger, but they only have to fill out the relevant section for their project. Um, but yes, there there there's a lot of things that they have to sign and whatnot as well. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, all right, Leah, did you have a presentation on the board commission thing, or were this is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. I don't have a presentation. This was just um, released late last week, and I wanted to have the AHAB take a quick look at it, knowing that there likely would not be time for discussion, um, but was wondering if you'd like to put this on the next agenda item or if the AHAB would like to consider providing feedback to the committee making these recommendations for what happens with the boards and committees for the City of Lawrence. Based on the current recommendation that is being made, which I understand is, uh, is likely what may go through. Um, the AHAB has been broken down into two different sections. So in this, what is being proposed is that the AHAB and Human Relations Commission be formed into one board that would fall under the equity and inclusion commitment area of the city strategic plan. <laughs> and that under the sound fiscal stewardship commitment area, of the plan that there would be one board formed out of what's now three boards, a special alcohol fund advisory board, the AHAB and the sales tax audit committee. And here it's listed as the AHAB trust fund. So it looks like the trust fund decisions would be again, um, be made under sound fiscal stewardship board. So that's a lot to digest um, and wanted to get direction on how, if at all, the AHAB would like to provide any feedback. So Can Leah, I ask for clarification from either Leah or Monty or someone who's served here longer than I have? Do we currently serve both roles, the AHAB and the AHAB Trust Fund Board, or is that a separate entity already anyway? No, that's, this would be, it's a, the AHAB is the body that makes recommendations for the trust fund. Yeah, so we make recommendations for the trust fund. We also make policy recommendations. So like when we had uh, the recommendation for non-discrimination of income, you know, we made that recommendation that ultimately went on to human resources and they're the ones that followed up with it, but we kind of started that ball at least I think we did started that ball rolling. Um, My question is, are we the Affordable Housing Advisory Board Trust Fund Board, or are we not? There is no current Affordable Housing Advisory Board Trust Fund Board. It is the AHAB that provides recommendations for the trust fund. They're making reference to the same committee, right? Correct. Okay. Right. Yeah. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> We're providing that function. <laughs> that answers. We're both of them. Yeah, both of them. So, so would the AHEP like to see this back on the next agenda to consider making a formal comment or recommendation, or are members interested in doing that individually? If you're interested, as just residents of Lawrence, 
I like the accountability factors, Christina Gentry, of just kind of understanding and it being spoken aloud too, because you know there's so many surveys that's floating around. I know the responsibility is, is up to all public <clears throat> to answer to these, but I'd like to have some discussion on that because I have questions uh, like, like what does a task look like if we're also going to be taking in civilian comments that the HRC receives and we're going to be doing that and what that looks like for leadership and the distribution of tasks. Mm -hmm. So I think I li would like some more clarification and then some more accountability as to answer the, those questions at our next meeting. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I think it sounds like we need to, each of us needs to do a little bit more digging in on this yep. and come back to the next meeting and maybe we can make a cumulative some cumulative recommendations and maybe individuals will want to make their own recommendations um, uh, Mr. Chairman <laughs> Mark Bueller uh, this is brought about because we have a staff issue with all these committees right so the the <laughs> I'll try to answer that. <laughs> the city undertook a process. They had, I don't know, Jeff, you can probably help me, 26 committees or something like that? Close to, I believe, yes. Yeah, 26 different com advisory committees, and they said, we need, this is getting out of control, and we need to reel this back in. So they formed a committee to determine how, <laughs> how to reduce the committees. And um, so this is, I think, the recommendation that's coming out of that work. But, but in so, the genesis of this, we don't have staff that can run around and deal with 26 committees yeah, all the I time. I think that's part of it, yeah. But that's part of it, and it's also just trying to find people that are willing to serve on that many boards. Oh, okay. Be a stretch, because some might have a lot of vacancies. Or I got have it. In, in between on it, but yeah, just to yeah. you know, I'd give you an idea, I think I sit on at least three or four of them. I'm sure you do. Also, too, could be coming the overlap. I'm sorry, I did not mean to just cut you off. Some of the overlap of the work um, the HRC does. I know that mm -hmm. we utilize HRC to move some of those policies forward, upscale. So I think you know it's a combination of workforce load and how that's pushed forward to some of the, like if you if like I'm on different boards and I can see how um, having advocacy of different board members or different boards collaboration could help push some of those strategies forward. Mm -hmm. Thomas, I'm Lawrence Porter, Realtors Representative. I would make a mo motion that we um, uh, we put this on our agenda for our next meeting to review this. Yeah. This is Leah Roseland. I don't believe we need a motion for that. Okay. Then, I, then uh, I would. Do we have a consensus? Do we have a consensus that we want this on the next agenda? Yes. Anybody disagree? <laughs> okay. But so let's let's table that to the next or put it on the next meeting's agenda. Could I, think could I ask a question? What is tentatively on the next meeting's agenda? Do we have a, a tentative idea? Or am I just... This is Leah Roseland. We have all of the agenda items that were tabled from um, the May 8th meeting. Okay. So we have a couple of presentations. Um, and, and I'll, I'll bring this up, but um, I do want to note that we're three minutes over, so if yeah. the chair, if you want to figure out how to handle that. <laughs> All right, then. Whether um, to extend the meeting or adjourn. Or adjourn. Can we adjourn? <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah, okay, so we don't need to vote to adjourn, right? All right, then, um, thank you for coming today. Thank you for all the hard work and getting through all that. It was a lot of material, and we're adjourned. All right. Thank you. Thank you, thank you all. Honey.